and Winnie, our founder and CEO of Cara. What I love about beauty is that it's a means of expression and play. My hair has morphed into a plethora of styles and colors over the years. It really is the key to my creativity. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Welcome to Beauty Is Your Business. On today's episode, Jessica and I are buzzing about texture and technology. So welcome to the show, Winnie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Well, thank you for joining us. So Jessica, we're so excited to have Winnie on the show today. And I know both of us talk about this idea of texture and technology and how technology really is playing into the new digital world that we're living in right now. Absolutely. And what I love, we'll get to dive into conversations with Winnie is that, you know, we bring in this aspect of texture and really what we're saying too is creativity, right? Like you don't necessarily think of technology as creative, but the way that Cara is thinking about it, the way that Winnie has set up this company, I think that there are some really neat intersections between texture, technology, creativity that really take us to a new place. And so with that, super excited to jump into a conversation with you, Winnie, and about your background and your hair care line, Kara. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I love, love, love your podcast. The latest one I listened to is the one by Madison Reed. She's freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for what you do, ladies. Well, take us through a little bit about your background in history. I know we've spoken before, and I was always fascinated with how you ended up in this space. I think a good place to start is probably the fact that I'm Nigerian-born and UK-dwelling. I was born in Nigeria. I moved out to the UK to study, essentially. And I studied computing and business, and immigrant father's dream. <laughs> and after that, I actually kicked off my career at Ernst & Young working as a technology and management consultant, where typically I would go into a range of industries. So everything from finance through to retail, for instance, fashion retail to essentially support them utilizing technology within their business. And I did that for a fair few years and I was starting to get that itch. I think it's that sort of creativity calling, wanting to do something new. And that was when I moved into the world of startups. So I spent some time at Netaporte, also ASOS and LVMH. And the thread that ties all of those experiences together is really building game-changing consumer technology applications within businesses that transform the consumer experience. So for instance, whilst we were at ASOS, we built their first ever machine learning platform that was personalized in style to over 20 million active customers. It was actually there that I met Soraya, who's my now co-founder and chief data scientist. So I feel like there's going to be a whole side conversation today, even about AI, given your background. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. No, but what I'd love to understand, so you've got this rich background in this consumer journey, consumer experience space online, and then you recognize that there's a hole in the market, that there's something missing. And then speak to us about how you transitioned from being a leader in technology and these really innovative platforms to moving over to being a brand owner. Absolutely. I think for me, it was really this idea. I remember a moment where I was like, hang on a second, I'm working and building these really brilliant experiences. But actually, when it came to my beauty, my hair as a black woman of color with Afro kinky curly hair, I always struggled to find either it was access to the right products or really clear understanding of what my hair is. An example that I often give is it wasn't until I got to 30 that I actually knew what the texture of my hair was because I actually spent from the age of four, it was either straightened with a hot comb or a chemical relaxer was applied to it. So actually it wasn't until I transitioned to my natural hair that I thought, hang on a second, what's that? And I remember my sisters, they hadn't transitioned at the time and they were like, what's that? Is that your hair? Why does your hair look like that? Are you our sister? It was an absolutely hilarious experience. So for me, it was really this idea of, I knew that there was a huge gap in this market and I knew that we could make a difference utilizing technology, digital, and data. The first thing I actually did was set up an e-commerce platform called Antidote Street. And the idea was curating products for textured hair. In the process of doing that, that kind of gave me front row seats, as it were, into a larger community of women who, for them, yes, product was part of it, but actually they wanted so much more. They didn't know how to care for their hair. They didn't know what the right routines were. They were getting completely bogged down by understanding their texture, understanding what the right routines were and understanding the right products to use. And when I was starting to draw the sort of like lines with different pop-up activations that were done, the personalized expert sessions were always the most popular. And that was really what led us to launch Cara because we kept asking, how can we scale this? What's the best opportunity to be able to reach tons and tons of not just women, actually, women and men all over the world? And we knew that we could absolutely do that with technology. Let's talk about Cara and what Cara is and the platform itself and the service that you provide and what you're solving for. Cara is an AI-driven hair care personalization platform. What we're doing is essentially bringing together the power of experts, data, and machine learning to provide highly relevant personalized routine and product recommendations. For us, we see a value in looking at the wealth of data to understand how can we really recommend products that will match Winnie's texture or would match, let's pick someone, Dana Ross's hair texture as an example. For us, it's really important to get to that level of nitty gritty. And then secondly, and we call this the double recommendation system, layering that with the voice of an expert is absolutely crucial because we know that typically people are starting from a very, very low level of education, understanding, frustration when it comes to their hair. And we really see the two combinations as 
insanely powerful in terms of being able to change what we currently see in the industry. So I understand too, there is a huge gap with the salon channel and obviously how women are getting information about what to do and how to use the right products for their hair. So how are you layering in the salon channel as a source of information, as well as Cara, which is the platform with all of this great information? How do those two work together? Of course. First things first, the way we actually position Cara within the industry, and we'll talk about Cara Labs in a minute, the way we position ourselves is we really think about collaboration, right? We think about how can we collaborate with the different key members or stakeholders within the ecosystem to ultimately create a very powerful experience for consumers all over the world. And the way we think about salads, yes, you're absolutely right. There are gaps that exist here in the UK. We see 300 out of 35,000 salons actually catered to textured hair, which is obviously a challenge. Where we see ourselves as being able to partner with salons is actually partnering with the stylists themselves, partnering with the experts themselves within the salons and being able to provide their services at scale to other people. So essentially they can come onto our platform, partner with us in their free time, be able to conduct personalized consultations that are absolutely backed by science and data. What that presents is a very amazing opportunity for us as end consumers. And I have to add myself in here. I like to say I'm building for us because I'm absolutely part of that experience. I think what that creates is even though these sessions are happening digitally, what it means is that typically you're dealing with an expert that has worked with hair for years and years and years. So when you explain how your hair is behaving, they absolutely get it. And they're like, yes, I'm right there with you. I understand it. I have handled hair. I have read academic papers on the effects of ingredients. They can really bring a lot of that to bear into a very rich, personalized consultation with clients on the other side and also continue to support them on our app through the entire journey. I know we've talked about this underserved market from the standpoint of you've got textured hair, you're a consumer out there, you have lots of questions. And rather than going to your local salon, your retailer, or these different places where you can buy product, what your goal is, is you're trying to bring them to the platform to get the information, get the knowledge, and not end up with just a bathroom full of product, but really get the right products for them. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think what we see in the industry and certainly over the last five years, I'm actually really glad that there is a lot of, a lot more, there's a lot more to be done, but we're definitely seeing a lot more conversation around textured hair. And what that spurred on is an explosion of products within this category. But when you take into consideration that many of the consumers within this category are like me, they didn't realize the texture of their hair until they were 30. The level of education, the level of guidance that you need to give is so much more higher than someone who is just dealing with product confusion, right? So from our perspective, when we examine the market from that lens, it's really clear that our role is to help take away the guesswork. Our role is to help 
cut out that trial and error. Consumers within this industry currently spend nine times more than other consumers with straight hair on their products, on their extensions, so many more areas. And we keep thinking, hang on a second, where is that spending going? There are, of course, conversations where, see, for instance, one of my good friends from Liverpool, she's white, she has straight hair, she might use, say, for instance, three products on her hair. I'm using probably around six to seven products on my hair. So from our perspective, we keep thinking about how do we cut out that trial and error? How do we help people get it right first time in terms of figuring out what's the right products, but also figuring out what's the right routine and technique to support them in meeting their hair goals? So when you're focused on this, okay, you've come to the platform, you've got an idea now based off of your assessment of what their needs are. Are you focused more on a product specific or on ingredients or is it a combination of both? It's actually a combination of the routine and the product. And typically when our expert coaches are recommending a routine and a product, they're thinking about a number of things. They're thinking about Winnie has colored hair. It's blonde. You can't see it in my brights. But they're thinking, Winnie has colored hair. Winnie has told us that her hair is extremely dry. And incidentally, Winnie also swims three times a week. So they're thinking about all of those experiences in terms of what you're doing in your lifestyle, the condition of your hair, and the concerns that you have. And pulling all of that into the product recommendations. So when we recommend products, instantly our engine is looking at the ingredients of that product to make sure, is it a color safe product? Is it a product that is going to help Winnie's burn dry blonde hair feel rejuvenated and moisturized at its core? So it's absolutely a mixture of the two. And I do think that those two need to coexist because when I think back to my experience with Antidote Street at just providing access to product is people still don't understand. They don't have the knowledge. So you're using the product, but actually you might be using it incorrectly and you're just not hitting or seeing the results that you're after. So we think that there is a power of bringing together the two sides of that coin. We absolutely call that personalized guidance. Well, and it makes so much sense, right? Because if you actually understand what goes in the product or how to use the product or even the ingredients, you're more empowered as the consumer. And today what we know, right, our consumers are so much more aware. They're so much more ingredient savvy. And by enabling them to understand what it is about this specific product that helps them or by using it in this way, that's actually going to get you the result. Now they understand how to use it and and really even suss out additional things, right? I mean, obviously your platform is only so rich as what you can offer and what your team can. But honestly, if there's, like you're saying, there's new products coming constantly that how great is it to expand that almost like user-generated content? You can expand it by having some of your own consumers saying, love this, this was recommended, also found this because this ingredient was in it. And then that gets added to your catalog. And I think that you have such a momentum going behind what you're doing with your consumers, with your platform, and with just the general knowledge of understanding how hair care and your specific hair works. That ingredients piece is something that we're so passionate about, particularly because there is a growing 
body of research that has highlighted the toxicity in products that are typically targeted towards either black women or people with textured hair. When I think about the space, it's not just about an aesthetic gap that exists within the industry. There is a health gap that exists in the industry. And we want to be able to have cute hair without having to worry about your entire hormone system and your entire endocrine system, rather. And I think it's really important to help us as consumers navigate what are the ingredients within my products? Is that the right ingredient? What is that ingredient actually helping me solve? And it's not just from a perspective of that's a bad ingredient, but actually providing the right education. So for instance, sulfates, industry-wide, the evil ingredients that nobody should use. But actually with education, with understanding of hair care routines, typically our coaches say, there are scenarios where you want to use a shampoo that has sulfates in it. One of those scenarios might be you've had braids for a couple of weeks. You've not been able to do a proper wash. You might have had products build up from here to there. You're going to need to go in with a proper cleanse. But does it mean you want to use a sulfate shampoo every week? Absolutely not. So for us, being able to bring real ingredients intelligence, but also add context to it as to what that means for your routine is something that is absolutely critical. And to your point as well, of people being able to say, I got this because it has that ingredient and I liked it. That speaks to the self learning side of our platform and the ability to take in feedback and apply that feedback into our engine so that our engine keeps learning and keeps becoming even more relevant for us as consumers. Well, you perked up my ears and got my sales attention when you said that this group of people purchase nine times more on average. So that gets me excited. If I'm a hair care brand out here <laughs> listening, that definitely gets me excited to think about that. I am curious, I can clearly see the advantage for the consumer coming to the platform, but you're also having access to a lot of very, very powerful data. You know a lot about this type of consumer, what he or she is looking for. So when we think about the database of your consumers, can brands tap into that? How do you interact with brands? How do brands get on the platform? Can you address some of that for us? Of course. We've actually got a B2B platform that's called Cara Labs. And Cara Labs is powered by our textured hair care engine, which also powers our recommendations as well. This is essentially our data that is looking at data. It's like our intelligence, our brain, <laughs> because essentially it brings together very interesting data points. So from hair care characteristics, understanding the unique and diverse types of textured hair that exist through to the needs, concerns, and deepest pain points of these consumers. And then also we layer on products that exist within the market and ingredients, as well as what those ingredients are utilized for. Right now, our textured hair engine has got over 10 million data points, which is absolutely exciting because it means that we now partner with brands who are at the beginning of their new product development journey who say to us, hey guys, we really want to create a product that is 
culturally relevant that is absolutely going to serve this market, but we actually don't have a clear understanding of who this customer is. We don't have a clear understanding of where the white space opportunities are, what their pain points are, what's been solved, and where is there still a gap. We're able to partner with brands, formulators, and marketeers in that vein to be able to bring new products in the market by providing them with access to very rich, contextual, and unique data within this space. So interesting. So I'm a brand. I'm really interested. Like Denise said, I got really excited about this nine times more spend. And now I want to create some product that services this market. I'm coming to Car Labs and I'm coming as the brand. I might have my marketing team and I'm also bringing my manufacturer with me. And we're sitting down and we're really understanding through Car Labs what the market size opportunities are. Is this correct? And then really where we can take and have points of differentiation to create something in the market. Is that really the service that we're looking at? Absolutely is. One thing I would add in addition to that is typically we know the size of the market. This market is worth billions globally. And yet, even based on where that is at the moment in terms of current estimations, McKinsey did an article on this last year. It's worth billions, but there's still a huge gap that exists with the industry, which means there are tons and tons of white spaces that exist within this space. Where we come in is actually helping brands, formulators, markets to actually really understand what this means beyond the surface area that you see. So for instance, yes, it's typically dry, but what's the detail behind that? What are those consumers doing in terms of their routines and how do those routines actually influence what they look for in a product or in a solution that is targeted towards them? That's where we're actually able to come on board, support them with deep bespoke insights or deep bespoke analysis or answers to their questions. Because different brands would typically have different questions, right? So if you're a brand that is dealing with wet products or dealing with tools and accessories or dealing with dry products, you have different questions that you want to answer. And we're able to really take those research questions and drill down into our database, into our engine and answer those in a way that provides extremely rich insights that powers the entire new product development cycle. And are you then able to, once you have this information and these manufacturers start making some of their initial batch samples to try to test and learn, are you able to help them get that out to your community and do any type of testing and feedback? Yes. Testing is literally so important in this market. Typically and to date, a lot of the testing that are done does not take into consideration the different diverse textures that exist. Typically, it might stop at someone with loose curls and may not take into consideration women who are more on the tighter end of the spectrum. So think, what are we doing for Lupita Nyong'o in Wakanda? And I think that that's such a critical part of the product development journey. And we're able to support that. We've built up a community of 20,000 across both our own internal channels and social media platforms. And we're often able to bring out those products, even before they've hit the shelves, to enable our community to try them out and provide very, very clear feedback. It also does not stop there. 
it costs a lot of money to produce new products or build new brands. And it will probably cost more if you take into consideration new regulations that are coming into play right now. It's such a shame to go through all of that and get marketing wrong. I think a big part of this is thinking about how do I speak to a multicultural audience? How do I help them understand that actually I've created a product that works for them? Quite typically, there might be things that are off-putting. So I remember walking to a store and I saw a whole bunch of products and one of them was like, for unruly hair or for undisciplined hair. And I was just thinking, what? <laughs> Who's that for? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I think that's just one example. And then in other examples, they're just more perhaps nuanced topics, right? So I was actually speaking to a brand founder who was saying to me, when she looks at a scalp serum and it tells her, hey, you can use this and wash your hair three to four times a week, instantly she knows that it's not for her because people with textured hair are just not doing that. So those are typically the types of maybe communication or education that you see with brands that create products and they say it's for all curl types, but we know it isn't. So typically, even from a consumer standpoint, when you see for all curl types, you already have like one eyebrow raised because you're not sure that it's actually for you. And then you read something like that, you know, well, it's definitely not for me because if they knew my routines, if they knew that I maybe perhaps wash my hair once every week because that's what's recommended to maintain moisture, they absolutely would not be saying that on the bottle of that scalp serum. So those are some of the things that we're able to really illuminate for brands, both from initial data set, testing through to support around marketing and communications. Winnie, I know that early on we talked about, obviously you're based in the UK. So how does this affect, and do you have a global ability where if you're a manufacturer in the US, that you're talking about these nuances, obviously from the hair and the hair care side, but from the marketing piece and what a US consumer is looking for versus UK, are you kind of in both those pools? Are you just focused on the UK? And what do you see as the differences between those two consumers? This is one of the great things of being digital. Our platform is a global platform. What that means is that our data set is a global data set. It means that we can speak to both a UK consumer through to a US-based consumer, through to an African, to a Middle East-based consumer. These are all regions that have tons and tons of people with textured hair that are often not being addressed. And what's fascinating in terms of maybe perhaps the differences are maybe to do with how they might find a product and get a product recommended to them. I would say probably the European audience might need to see time and time again, lots of evidence, lots of reviews, lots of recommendations before they purchase a product. Whereas the US audience are potentially what we see anyway, are more open to experimentation in terms of being able to access the products that work for them. But when it comes to the characteristics of the hair, when it comes to the concerns of the hair, there are huge similarities across the board. It doesn't matter if you are in the US or Timbuktu, if you have a certain type of hair texture with certain characteristics, chances are you will also have similar concerns that you're dealing with, which then means that we're turning the gaze to 
who is the consumer time and time again. As an industry, we've not done a good job of really understanding this consumer, literally like with a fine tooth comb, if you can call it that. And I think that when you're looking at it, we really ought to look away from different types of research methods, which typically looks like, okay, we're in the U- in the US, we're going to go out and we're going to recruit a thousand consumers and we're going to ask them what they want. Our methodology is slightly different because we're looking at who are all those consumers? What are their concerns? What have they, you know, we call this customer behavioral signals. Every time they're searching on YouTube, every time they're completing a diagnostic on our platform, every time they are, you know, posting a comment about how their hair feels dry as straw. Those are very, very strong signals that tell us about what that consumer is looking for. And to be able to bring that together, apply really smart natural language processing to that all structured data and make sense of it in terms of trends, gaps to be filled is really what we're doing on that side of the business. Can you give us an example of a brand that both has maybe gotten it really right and a brand that has gotten it wrong and then found out later and had to pivot. Obviously, we don't need to name the brand, but just the concept behind it. What do people get right and what do people get wrong and their assumptions that you know with data they should be doing differently? So I think this one, we know this very well. It's actually not dealing with hair care. It's a case study that anyone in beauty is familiar with. And I have to say Fenty is one fantastic example of a brand that has thought about diversity and inclusivity from the very start. You can just see it. You can just feel it from the vast array of shades that are available. I remember the first time Fenty launched, my friends and I were waiting on a queue outside Harrods, waiting to get our hands on it. And it didn't disappoint because you could see the wide variety of textures that exist. That tells you that whoever is creating this product knows that one, we're not a monolith. It's not okay to just have that one dark shade and tell you it covers all textures because it never does. Makeup artists have often have to mix it with a mix of different tones before they get the right tone. So to see that wide array was such a welcome thing. It didn't need to communicate, I deal with your texture before you knew it. It was just clear. And you also see that in the marketing. When you see a typical Fenty ad or you see the content, the copy, you again see yourself time and time again in that. And it's not just necessarily just for melanated people. That carries across through to maybe perhaps Savage Beauty where you're seeing more diversity of bodies and seeing women who are celebrated for their curves. All of those things are very clear ways that signal to us as consumers that we're being seen, that we're being taken into consideration in a very real way. Now, where I think brands get it wrong is where it feels like it's a token. So you see a brand that tells you it's for all curl types, but actually they've not provided you with You don't even see pictures of all curl types on the hair, on the platform. You might just see a straight hair. Typically, it's like maybe a white woman from Europe, and then you see a Chinese lady, and then you see a black woman. But typically, when you see a black woman, it's a woman who has got really loose textures. You're definitely 
often you're not seeing the different textures that exist within the hair or seeing different ways that people might wear their hair. And that's often a telltale sign. It feels like it's a last consideration. They were like, oh, it's time to market. Oh, we better say that this is diverse. Here, <laughs> Here are three models. See, we've covered all of them. <laughs> right. It's very surface level, right? Like that's what it comes down to. It's just, it's very surface and then if you really understood it, you would actually really make sure you maybe don't even need different skin tones if the texture of the hair was vastly different and tell the all curl story. But it shows us right in their advertising that they don't get it because they're just talking surface. Absolutely. So a typical example, I was reading an article recently about dry shampoo. And often when I hear dry shampoo, I think, well, this is obviously never going to work for me because my hair needs moisture, not just in the form of leave-in conditioners or moisturizers, but actually it just needs that water of getting under a shower, getting it wet before you apply anything else. So I've often looked at dry shampoo as this just does not make sense. And I recently read an article that was talking about how there was a missed opportunity with dry shampoos and textured hair. And in reading that article, I was like looking for something like that made me feel connected to, oh, Winnie, you can use dry shampoo. And I just couldn't really fully find that. It wasn't until later that it made sense to me that, hang on a second, if I was someone that was creating a dry shampoo brand, I would be looking at, hang on, how is somebody with texture taking care of their hair? They might wear braids on their hair now. That's fantastic. Like with the way I've got cornrows right now, it actually makes sense for me to use dry shampoo. In fact, maybe even, <laughs> these are my shower thoughts ladies today. Maybe even people with textured hair are the OG customers for dry shampoo because we might have weaves, we might have braids. We don't necessarily want to wet our hair, but we want to keep our scalp clean. It makes sense. If I read any copy that shows me that they recognize that I'm wearing braids a couple of times a year, or I'm wearing extensions a couple of times a year or wigs or whatever, I would be like, they get it. They understand what I'm doing. But if you just tell me that oh, this dry shampoo has got specific types of ingredients that is going to blot out the oil from my scalp. Instantly, I know you're not speaking to me because that's the least of my troubles, right? So it's such a fascinating thing. I think what I'm really getting at here is there is this consumer's diverse, unique, but also there's so much nuance in terms of the characteristics of the hair, in terms of the routines, the behaviors, even the consumer psychology and to really do it justice, it requires an immersion into this customer and it requires being able to do, put in that initial work to say, okay, I actually really get this customer. I get that this is what they're looking for. And here's a worthy solution that they deserve. I think that that's so critical. And when I look at what we do, maybe if I were to draw a circle, going back to my consulting days, on the consumer side, we're really often looking at how can we provide personalized guidance, personalized recommendations. And on the B2B side, we're looking at how can we make sure that the products that are jumping into that funnel are the right products in the first place. It's essentially about elevating the quality that we're seeing overall in the market. Well, Winnie, you are doing the entire ecosystem from consumer to B2B a great service, a great, great service, bringing ultimately better products to this underserved market. So congratulations on that. If our viewers and listeners do want to reach out to you, how can they do that? 
If they would like to reach out to us in terms of getting personalized recommendations, they can find us on cara.co. That's C-A-R-R-A.co. And if it's a brand or formulator that is keen to learn more about our offering on the B2B side, they can get in touch with us directly from cara.co forward slash labs. Well, thank you so very much for being on the show today. Again, just great to have you. Looking forward to having you back again at some point. If you want to keep buzzing with us, head on over to buzzbeauty.com. This has been Beauty Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.